Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Hey, Kat, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. So I'm excited about what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today? We're talking about breast cancer. Since it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, it does seem like that would be the appropriate thing to talk about. Exactly. And, you know, every year in September, when you start seeing all the little pink ribbons in all the stores, it starts stressing me out. But it's such an important topic to talk about because there are still so many women that don't go get mammograms, that don't get tested. And so I think it's something important to talk about and maybe help people to see the need to get their regular tests and everything. Right, right. And even though, you know, we go down this whole journey of homeopathic medicine and Eastern wellness and the likes with our yoga practice and such, it is both fresh for you and I to acknowledge that Western medicine played a huge role in our, you know, breast cancer and breast issues in general, like if it weren't for Western medicine, we would maybe, you know, have a different story to tell right now. Yeah. And, you know, as much as I do like the different kind of alternative therapies, I will, I would always go with Western medicine when it comes to cancer. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer, my doctor, of course, you know, I'm upset, but my, and you know, that feeling, but he said, you know, if you're going to get cancer, breast cancer is probably one of the best ones to get because everyone loves someone with boobs, you know? And so they put a lot of money into research for breast cancer. And so they do know a lot. And as, as sucky as the, <laughs> as the treatments were, I still would do it again if I, you know, had to. Let's knock on wood because I'm done. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what, what is your anniversary now at this point? Tell us. Um, I finished, I was diagnosed in 06. And you know, I normally know how many years is that? 15. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was diagnosed in, on November 14th of uh, 2006, and I finished my last chemo in March and finished my last radiation in May of 07. Nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do say congrats. Then um, the next one would be tell us how you found it. Well, that was actually like a God thump, I think, really. I think it was kind of almost a God thing because I I started getting mammograms when I was 27 and I had gotten them regularly, never missed a year, but I had fibrocystic breast disease like a lot of women have, just lumpy boobs. Both of my grandmothers had breast cancer and so they had me getting them since then. Every year I got it in the same month almost, but in 2006, I kind of forgot, you know, I, I kept delaying it and a lot of stuff was going on in my life. And I just kept delaying it. So I was about six months late getting my mammogram. And if I had not, and they found it in the mammogram because you couldn't feel it really. But if I had not, if I'd gone, they said if I'd gone on my regular time, it might not have been detectable. That's crazy. Yeah. So it, to me, it was like, 
it was kind of, it's kind of saved me by delaying getting it, but I don't recommend anyone delay it because it could have been the other way too. Yeah. And, and, you know, I do feel it's important that we mentioned that even though you found yours on a scan, that it's also important to remind women to do self checks Mm-hmm. Because a very, very high percentage of women who are finding breast cancer are finding it on their own. Right. And then confirming it with a scan. Right. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like it's really important to mention that it's very, you know, it's something simple. You're in the shower, you know, give it a once over. Yeah. Take yeah, care exactly. of you. Yeah. Or, you know, you check yourself out, have your husband check yourself out or your significant other, you know, your partner, whatever. It's, it's always smart to stay on top of things and not put your head in the sand. And when I hear people that say, oh, you know, I hate getting that mammogram. It's uncomfortable. Well, chemo and radiation are really uncomfortable. (laughs) Go get your friggin' mammogram. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Getting your boobs whacked off is also very uncomfortable. So, Uh yeah. Yep. Yep. And you can tell us about your experience. Yeah. I mean, a similar story, you know, as having had cancer before when my fibrocystic breast disease got worse, you know, I had, you know, been placed with markers. I was repeatedly under scans, you know, this whole every 90 days crawl into an MRI. I was getting really sick of it. And the conversation that my, you know, surgeon and I had had was that I was a candidate for doing a preventative double mast. And so if I really was at the wit's end and didn't want to wait for it, and that was the discussion that John and I had was, you know, we didn't want to be in a position where, you know, it was going to come out six months later, and then, you know, maybe potentially have to go through, um, you know, a lumpectomy and then have to go through chemo and radiation or whatever it was going to be, if it was going to be anything at all, that we decided that, you know what, let's just beat it to the punch. And so I opted for a voluntary double mast. And so my experience did not involve the chemo and radiation to which I'm very thankful. Um, But on the flip, it was a, you know, a fairly big and traumatic surgery. And it took a long time in recovery and then ended up having to be redone because of how the first surgery had been done. So it was a lot of, you know, physical trauma, even though it wasn't in the form of you know, chemotherapy or radiation. Well, and all three ways, I mean, the double mastectomy, the chemo, the radiation, all of those, you know, especially when you are hit with any kind of female type cancer, it hits you in your femininity, you know, and, you know, I had a chunk of my boob cut out and then, you know, the chemo and then the radiation burning my skin. Well, you had yours just chopped off. And then, you know, it, the reconstruction and the pain of having the implants in. And I mean, that is, you know, so you, they're just two different kinds of, but they still have all of our same emotional baggage that comes along with it too. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just, it's a slightly different story for, Fortunate for both of us, very good outcomes. And, you know, we're, we're sitting in a position where we can talk with other women about, you know, breast health and breast cancer awareness. Well, so um, I've got some stats for you about breast cancer. Would you like to hear them? Of course. I love your stats. (laughs) 
Um, so how common is breast cancer by age? Breast cancer isn't common in women under 40. A woman's risk of breast cancer throughout her 30s is just like one in 227 or about 4%. By age 40 to 50, the increase, uh, the risk is roughly one in 68. So that goes up dramatically. Wow. So 1.5%. From age 60 to 70, it increases to uh, one in 28. So, and what percentage of females in this um, country get breast cancer? I guess worldwide, you ask? About one in eight. Wow. Yeah. And so that's about 13% of women in this country will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of their lifetime. It's crazy. So it really is. And what's the average age a woman gets at? The median age of diagnosis of breast cancer for women in the U.S. is about 63. The median is the middle range of the group of the numbers. So, so about age 63. And the median age of diagnosis does vary by race and ethnicity as well, though. So I do have a little scary stat for you, though. It's uh, how fast does breast cancer go? According to the Robert France Cancer Research Center in Providence Portland Medical Center, breast cancer cells need to divide at least 30 times before they're detectable by a physical exam. So each division takes about one to two months. So a detectable tumor has likely been growing in your body for two to five years. Oh, geez. Yeah. So that, I, I had never heard that stat before. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I was like, whoa. But so that's another reason to go get mammograms. You know, do your screenings for whatever kind of cancer you need to be screened. Get a colonoscopy. You know, get your pap smears. Do the HPV test. I know, I know. You made me nervous because you talked about putting off your mammogram when you were initially diagnosed. Well, I recently found out, and I think you and I talked about this on another episode, that colonoscopies used to be at age 50, and now American Cancer Association has moved colonoscopies to age 45 for the first one. And when that change happened, I happened to have already been past the age. And so I got an email from the doctor saying, you're past your cancer screening. And I automatically assumed it was for my cervical cancer that I went in and scheduled that when I went in, he's like, why are you here? You don't need to be here. Like you're a year early. And I'm like, well, it told me I was late. And he's like, yeah, you're four years late on a colonoscopy. And I was like, oh, well, uh, it didn't say that. It's a cancer screening and my mind went to my mm -hmm. cancer. My mind didn't go yeah. to, oh, the American Cancer Association has changed the dates, yada, yada. So I scheduled it. Then I got sick. So I had to delay it. And then I just had another complication. So I delayed it a second time. But now you're kind of freaking me out because now I feel like I'm playing Russian roulette. So yeah, well, you get your ass in there and get that schedule. Don't make me come up to Minnesota. <laughs> get your ass in there to get your ass checked. Tongue in cheek. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm on it. Yeah. And you know that the prep is, is not fun, but you know. Well, that's that why I ended up having to change it because I scheduled a Reiki training the weekend I was supposed to be prepping for it. And I was like, oh, that would be awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's my story. All right. Well, I so it is important to get your screenings when you can. Um, and there's so much information out there about screenings, about 
everything to do with cancer, but make sure you go to a reputable place to look up stuff because there's so much stuff on the internet. You wouldn't believe the stuff my mom sends me about just random stuff. So make sure you know where you're getting the information. Go to breastcancer.org, go to Komen, go to American Cancer Society, find places that are reputable and listen to, check out and see what they have or talk to your doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And in Minnesota, check out Mayo Clinic because that's our, Mm -hmm. just as a reminder, you know, self breast exams should be done monthly. Yeah. Just remind yourself the first of every month, give it a once over, Mm -hmm. just get it Mm -hmm. done. And that, you know, like you said, past the age of 40, for sure, should be getting an annual mammogram. Yeah. Hopefully it's part of your insurance package. Get it done. We know it's not, but just get it done. Well, and they changed the mammogram age. Do you remember? Yeah, the first one now is much earlier, but I don't recall what. But I do know that over the age of 40, it's gone to annual. I think for a time it was biannual, and now it's annual. And while you're looking that up or investigating that, the other thing I wanted to talk about was if you get that diagnosis, if you get that call that says your mammogram was abnormal, we know the feeling. That sink. Uh, you just gave me the feel. Yeah. You just, when you said that, I was like, <laughs> like, I know I get this uh, too. Uh, we know that feeling, and you're not alone. Like Kat was just saying, like, there's one in four or one in eight women who have had that same feeling. You're not alone. So call someone, let them know you're struggling with the waiting, the wondering, the worrying, and schedule with your doctor for that follow up care. Well, email me. You know, because I I do go talk to different groups about breast cancer and having cancer and how that that fear about the fear a lot. So, you know, I know Tanya and I are always open to messaging and we, you know, we're not qualified to talk to you as a psychologist by any means, but we can help you find someone. Mm-hmm, for sure. To. But also don't just assume that because you got the call saying you're you're mammogram was abnormal that you're you've been given a death sentence like don't overthink it don't don't start filling your mind up with that information yet mm-hmm. like take the steps because there are a lot of times where it's just that the image isn't clear enough your tissue is dense we hear that more and more now they want to maybe do an an ultrasound to you know get a little closer in touch so don't go all the way to I'm dying from that very initial, right? And even if you do find out that yes, you do have cancer, then also remember that positive affirmations, we've talked about this on our other episodes, keep your hope high, because anything else is only going to make your recovery worse. Mm -hmm. Keep your hope high, keep positive people around you, stay positive. Well, and many people with cancer are are going to go through depression and fear and anxiety. You're going to go through that, especially the fear. The fear is always there, even after you've been cancer-free for 15 years. The fear never goes away, but, you know, a positive attitude is not going to really change the course of your cancer, but it will change you and the way you deal with it. And it will make everything you have to go through so much easier. And it'll make, uh, it'll be easier on the people around you. You know, some people like to go to support groups and counseling. And I know we've talked about that some. Um, I did not go to a sort uh, support group 
but you know, a lot of times they can help you work through feelings and help you to feel more optimistic. You know, my sister-in-law has had two abnormal mammograms and freaked her out and, and had to have biopsies and they were both fine. Yeah, that's, that's the crazy thing. Like, right. Like just because it's an abnormal mammogram doesn't mean that you have cancer. Like, right. Mm -hmm. Another thing you can do is yoga. And I know we talk about yoga a lot, but I was teaching yoga for about six or seven years before I had cancer, but I didn't really get it until I had cancer. And I didn't really totally appreciate what it can do for someone going through treatments. And even if you're the caregiver, even if it's not you, it's important to help you deal with stress, to reduce fatigue, to improve just your physical functioning overall, to improve your sleep, to just improve your quality of life. So yoga is something that you can easily do. And even if you have surgery, you have issues, there's so many ways you can work around that. I was just going to say, as long as you brought up caregivers, you know, this is kind of something that's really, you know, we always talk about, you know, when you get that diagnosis, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, but then also what about the people around you and what they're feeling and what they're thinking and, you know, how to talk to a person who's been diagnosed with cancer and how do you talk to a person, you know, what do you say to them? when their positive mammogram turns into stage three and lumpectomy or their mammogram moves to an ultrasound and then after the ultrasound it turns into stage four and double mast and chemo and you know what I mean like what are the words that you as caregiver can you know say because you feel like you can't do anything and really you can't really you can't like at that point it's out of your hands you have to trust the medical staff you have to make those decisions and you have to trust that the person who's going through it you know if they need you they're going to come to you and that being just there is really it right Mm -hmm. I mean those initial days are just super scary and you know you feel like it's so surreal it can't possibly be true you know right so choosing your words kindly and always you know, trying to stay on the positive side, but then also remember, you don't have to talk about it every day. Yeah, You don't have to talk about it every day. And people that don't want to talk about it, they, I mean, I have to say, I hated it so bad when people would look at me and go, how are you? I mean, and they mean well, but oh my gosh, you know, they're, I am more than my cancer. Yeah. You look so good today. Well, don't I look good every day? But you know what I'm saying. And and usually it's very well-intentioned. But what they don't realize is that when you hear that 15 times in a day, yeah. all it is is a constant reminder. Like, yeah. let's today not talk about it. Let's today just be normal. Mm-hmm. Because during those times, you don't feel normal. Yeah. Right? And no, too, we want to also like really, really honor, you know, those who have lost their battle. Like, I feel like it's very important during breast cancer awareness to give kudos and credit to the women who fought and lost and their families who are, you know, perhaps living without them and such. Right. Mm-hmm. That those are tough days. And, you know, we've talked many times about grief and how tricky grief is and 
how to, you know, reach out and such, but also just know that you're not alone. Grief is tricky and there is help out there. If you don't already have it, you know, let us know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how many lives, I, I don't know that I know anyone that hasn't somehow been touched by cancer in some way, shape or form. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Do you have any books to share? I do have, a, I have two books and I didn't get a chance to mention, but another thing we want to think about when you, I mean, just in life and in general, but especially if you're going through treatment, you need to think about eating healthy and exercising. But one of the books that I like is Chris Carr's Crazy Sexy Diet book. She is a cancer survivor and she has a lot of neat tips in here. I mean, I think she has, I think her first book was Crazy sexy cancer, I think. But anyway, hers is good. It's Chris with a K and Carr with two R's. And then by Terry Prinster, it's got a, this is a book called Yoga for Cancer. And it is, talks about managing your side effects, boosting immunity and improving recovery for cancer survivors. Cool. I have one. It's actually for the caregivers. It's called the Caregiver's Guide to Cancer by Victoria Landis. And, you know, it's just kind of really one of those great books for the person not going through it, mm -hmm. but who is very close and intimate with it, right? There are two other books I have not read, but I have had recommended to me. One of them is called 50 Days of Hope by Lynn Gibb. And the second one, it's called It's Okay That You're Not Okay by Megan Devine. And both of them are cancer survivors also. And they're kind of feel-good self-helpy books. If you, you know, need something to pass the time, it's like chicken soup for the soul kind of thing. True, true. So there's a lot of resources out there and a lot of, a lot of people that can empathize and sympathize with you. Not that you even need that, but a lot of people that can be there to support you and a lot of information out there. Just don't bury your head in the sand. You know, make sure you, you know, get your screenings, get your test and, you know, maybe even add a meditation practice, try some, some other things that can help relieve stress and anxiety associated with all of this. Yeah. I think the most important thing is the not burying your head in the sand and thinking that you're going to be the one that it doesn't touch. I mean, we hope that you are. However, that should go. But you you know what I'm saying? Like, we hope that you are the lucky one. But you know, we just don't want you to be surprised or to be, you know, taken off guard. We really just want you to take care of yourself because we love you. Yep. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> well, go out and give all the women in your lives a big hug. Yeah, right. Happy October. Happy Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Take care of each other. Perfect. I'm Kat Khan. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Pittas on a Pod.